Praise God. Good morning, all. If you, if you didn't get notes when you come in, I think Brenda's got some spare ones there. Try and get one. There's also some spares at the front here, if you want to grab one. And turn, if you will. If I could have my first slide, it's on. I've got a backup anyway, Henry, so even if you don't get it, I'm okay. Have my first slide up, please, guys. Turn to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, as well, if you would. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Thank you. Since it's the new year, I thought this was a great slide. Take a look at this. Read this with me. Are you happy? Yes. Yes. Well, then keep on doing whatever you're doing. No problem. Are you happy? No. No. Do you want to be happy? No. Keep on doing whatever you're doing. Right? Are you happy? No. Yes. Sorry, no, change something. Do you get it? Sorry, made a mess of it. I thought that was very good. Now, don't answer this one. In fact, don't ever answer questions I ask because it's normally a trap. Are you happy? Don't answer. You happy? If, you're, if you don't feel fulfilled, I don't know how long you've been saved, maybe five years, ten years, fifteen years. If, if you want to see changes in that, there's only one way changes are going to come. Not because the date changed. Not because last week it was 2011, and this week it's 2012. And I'm sorry to say, folks, but there is a great danger for some here, for me, or maybe for you, that the only thing that will change is the The date. The only thing that will change is the date. Over the last few weeks, many times I have repeatedly cautioned you, cautioned myself as well, about being in church for your lifetime, you know, because we can get religious just like anybody else can get religious. Another question for you. Well, at least half of you. A few weeks ago, we did a message on fasting. Remember? Did you fast? Don't answer. Did you fast? I repeat, one of the great dangers of being a Christian is is over time. That we can get to the place where God can speak absolutely. But you hear it and you say, Amen! And at the end of the meeting you say, Man, didn't we hear from God today? What a word we had. And by the time you get to the back door, you have already forgotten or you do not remember the Isaiah list. The doers and the the non-doers, right? It's so easy for us folks, and I include myself. Don't become like that. Don't be the Isaiah 58 type Christian who comes on Sunday and hears the word, Folks, you are hearing the word of God week after week. Amen? You are hearing the word of God. You are hearing the prophetic word. You're you're among some of the most privileged people on the earth. To hear the word. There were hundreds of years on this planet where God didn't even speak. And you come here week after week and you hear the word of God. Now what do you do with it? 
What do we do with it? Or are we like Isaiah? Have we become those who are happy to confess our sin but never repent? To say, oh, sorry, God, and then carry on the same old way? Well, something has to change. And my God, we are running out of time. Do you know what 2012 means? It means there's one less year until Jesus Christ comes back. That's what it means. It means last year's gone. And we will not get another chance like that. It's over. You had 365 days that you will never receive again. We all did. We did as a church. What did we do with them? 2012 will be exactly the same unless we change. Let me ask you that question again. A few weeks ago we had a word on fasting. Did you fast? Yes or no? It's a very good indicator whether you have become religious and become a churchgoer. You know the Churchill nodding dog at the back of the car, you know? I think there's several words in my mind and in my heart for 2012. Some of them we looked at over the last few weeks. The first one, Psalm 133, where it says, Order my steps, O God. And as we look at 2012, and indeed beyond that, we can pray that. God, will you order my steps? Will you protect my steps as I take them? Help me, God. Order my steps. Another one that I think is very pertinent for us is in Isaiah where Isaiah the prophet went to Hezekiah and Isaiah said this line, set your house in order, king. Set your house in order. And I think that's, that's really what I want to look at this morning. Pastor Tom, could you come and sit at the front, please? I know there's sound trouble. Serious business, folks. Tom's going to lead this congregation, particularly through the coming year. And there are some massive changes that are going to take place within the church. And I want you, with, with, with all your heart, with your body, soul, and spirit, to prepare yourselves for that. There's a gazillion bits of information that we could give you, and we don't. Okay? Because we'll release information as we can or as you respond to the information you get and the invitations that you get for study or for training or for development. But as we look at ourselves as a church, it's a mighty responsibility to be a member in this church, to be a member in this church. It's a great responsibility because it's considered the most aggressive, missions-minded church on earth. But we have not been... Okay, we've got substance here this morning. Have my next slide, please. Thank you. There is one. I know there is. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. And let me read these scriptures here. How is God going to bring 
structure and change to this church in the coming year. And I believe we can learn a, a, a lot from looking at how he brought structure or change to the world. How God created. How did God create this planet? What were the steps? And we can follow those steps in the creation of this church in the changes that are going to take place within this church. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning God created. So there was substance, folks. There was, if you like in church terms, people. You've got to have people. I'll come back to that in a moment. <laughs> a lot of our churches have no people. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But the earth was formless and empty. And darkness was over the surface of the deep. And then the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And notice what's just happened there. There was a, a time of separation. Look at verse 3. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then he started to separate things. To separate things. And he separated the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And then in verse 10. Uh, verse 5. It says. And there was disorder. And there was order. Is that what it says? What does it say in your Bible? There was evening. And there was morning. The Hebrew word for evening is disorder. And the Hebrew word for morning is order. And you can look at how, how did God create this planet? How did he bring us into being? Do you know what he did? Everybody look up. He spoke and there was substance, but it was chaotic. Sometimes churches can be a bit chaotic. <laughs> but we're here. Okay? Phase one. Don't be afraid of that. Jesus preached to the masses and he gathered the masses. And I think this is one of the most fundamental mistakes that we make in our church planting strategy, particularly in Europe. You've got to have substance. You've got to have someone to, to disciple. I know it sounds rudimentary, but it is important. Look at the second phase. The next thing was that once there was, there was disorder. Here's all the things that God has made, but they're, they're disordered. And what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to separate good from evil, right from wrong, up from down. There's a period of separation, the beginning of order. And look at the next one. The, ne the next thing that God does was he created spaces. He created the sky. He created the sea. He created the land. And look at the last point. Once he had done all that, th those things, what did he do? He created beautiful things. Now, listen to me, church. Do you know what we as a church want? Do you know what Christians want? They want the last one. <laughs> Let's have a beautiful building. Let's have a, a wonderful discipleship program. Let's plant wonderful... They want the last bit. But we've got to understand that there's a step-by-step -step process in the order of things here. And in fact, if you read through Genesis, do you know what happens? There's disorder. It's okay. It's okay. God's creating. There's disorder. But there is substance. And then progressively, God continually adds order upon order upon order. Oh, and in fact, he's not finished. He's not finished until he comes back and he winds everything up. He's still 
in that process. And we need to understand this so that we will cooperate with it and not, not work against it. We have substance. You're here. The other congregations are here around Europe. No problem. But my oh my, the second point is the phase that we need to enter into. The separation of right and wrong, up and down, light and darkness, and the beginning of the implementation of God's divine order. And then we need buildings, spaces. You see the order? Then we need buildings. Remember I told you, Pastor Rick came to me in Dublin. He saw this building on the motorway. Now the Irish church did not follow through with the LIW. They did not. And Rick came to me, he saw this building. It was like two or three million quid. And he, he said, go and get that building for me. I said, okay, no problem, thanks, yeah. Any other jobs, you know? So I go down, and I'm going to pursue this building, and on the way I say to God, God, he says he wants that building. Clear as a bell, clear as a bell. God spoke to me and said, why? Why would I give you that building? And I knew, you know, the word comes with the interpretation, revelation of it. God was saying, there is no proper structure. You have not brought order in this city. The church is still at the first phase. There's no order. You get order, and I will give you the creation of spaces, buildings. Do you understand me? This was the way that God brought order. This is his progressive creation, and we're still in it. And it applies to us as churches. There is an order to blessing. There is an order to blessing. Right through scripture, and it starts in Genesis chapter 1. So we have substance. Fantastic. We've got people. Wonderful. This coming year will be better than any other year in terms of the implementation of the LIW, the CDP. Most of you know what those terms mean. If you don't, you will. Where you will be offered discipleship, training, and, 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 and a structured way to advance your Christian life. And what do you think God will do if we do that? Provide you with the spaces. Provide you with the spaces, and then He will fill those spaces, just as He did in Genesis, with beautiful things, wonderful things that we know we want. We know in our hearts, you know in your spirit, that, that, that this is where we should go. I just want you to see that there is a way to get there. Next slide, please. Everything that God does in Scripture, structure comes first, and the flow, the blessing comes second. Now, everybody wants blessing, right? Put your hand up if you want blessing. If you don't put your hand up, you must be something wrong with you. We all need to be blessed. We all should, you know, seek the blessing of God. Nothing wrong with that. He's a good God. But I want you to understand, folks, Scripture is crystal clear. Structure first. Blessing second. What? Look, do this. Breathe in. <gasps> Breathe in. <sighs> you can't do that without structure. You've got a body. Very practical thing, but it's 100% correct. It's true. God gave Adam a body, a structure, and then he, he breathed into Adam. Structure first. Then came the flow of the Spirit. And we want the flow of the Spirit. But who will build the structure? Who will bring order? And who will apply themselves to that order? Remember the ark. God said to Noah, I intend to save some people. 
But first of all, you're going to have to build a structure. And he gave them such clear guidelines. And then what happened? The flow of the water came. Structure first, flow second. Oh, what about Moses? When God wanted his glory to come on the earth, did God pour the glory on the earth? No. God said to Moses, what? Build me a structure. Build me a tabernacle. God did not... In the book of James, it says it's like pouring water on the ground that will be wasted. Moses, build me a structure. And if you do, I will fill it. Solomon, same thing. Did the Spirit of God just fall? No. Solomon was instructed, if you build me a temple, I will fill it. Nothing's changed, folks. The date's changed. <laughs> but nothing has changed in terms of how God will build his church. Order for us is not an option. Order, discipline, discipleship, building a church structure is not an option. If we do not build it, then don't complain if there is no breath, no water, no glory, no flow. Don't complain. Because we have been warned, we have been shown the pattern, and now we must follow through with that pattern. Now you say, okay, great, but how? How do I order my life? How do I order, how do we order this church? Well, Pastor Tom, in months and indeed years ahead, will take us on a journey with that. But just to open up the subject this morning, and look at your individual lives, how are you going to order your life? If you stay the same, nothing's going to change. The only way that your life, your Christian life, your, your family life, your home life is going to change is if you change. You've got to change. Right? There's no change without change. You've got to change. Everything else is a daydream. So I want to challenge you and challenge myself this morning. If I want to bring new order, which I do, I believe God does, to me personally and to us as churches, give me a few steps to follow, give me a few guidelines that I can put into place to order my world. Point one. Next slide, please. Order your physical environment. Now, all of us have come this morning from an apartment, from a bedsit, from a flat, from a house, whatever. And I, I, I want you to know, folks, Jesus Christ was a very ordered person. He was a disciplined person, and you can, you can read it and not see it, but it's all through Scripture. Do you want to work a miracle? Who wants, come on, who wants to work a miracle? Every hand should be up. Slap yourself up the face there, come on. Do you want to work a miracle? Yes. We want to work miracles. Listen to this. 5,000 people are hungry and the followers of Jesus can't get a miracle. And they're all hungry. So they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, feed them. Sort them out. And what, what's the first thing that Jesus does before he feeds them? Put them, put them in 50. Order. Order. First thing before a miracle. So the disciples couldn't see something. There was substance. There was people. But it was chaotic. And into that group, they, they go to Jesus. And Jesus, he insists upon the 50s. And then he works the miracle. 
And you will see that same pattern, whether it's obeying the word, Jesus brings order first, and then the flow, then the miracle, your life is no different. And the life of us as church and churches is no different. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, heavens above, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he still has order going through his head because he sees Mary and he sees John and he says, oh, that's, not, that's out of order. And he says, John, son, behold thy mother. Mother, behold thy son. He's putting it in order. He doesn't want to go and leave his mother uncared for and vice versa. He's putting it in order because it's the nature of God. I mean, you see this particularly in the Old Testament, of course, which is totally valid. And I think of probably the most beautiful example of order in the whole scripture. And it's this. It says that when Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, they went into the tomb and his grave clothes were neatly folded. The word folded. Ah, Lord, that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Even having been crucified and now raised from the dead, didn't leave the tomb without first making his bed. Did you make your bed this morning? Did you tidy the house before you went? How's your personal world? How is your personal life? If I, if, if I pick someone out of the crowd, Justice, I'm coming to your house right now. He looks terrified. <laughs> I'm coming to your house right now. You're like, oh no, the dishes are in the sink. What have I done? I need to tidy up. Hang on, wait, wait. Can you come next week? Sorry. <laughs> right? Tell me, how are your cupboards? Everson, is it okay if we come round this afternoon and go through your cupboards? Yes. Hey, look at that. That's pretty impressive. Okay, ladies, how's the handbag going? Isabel, handbag okay? Yeah, okay. Have you got any idea what women have in the handbags? Talk about order? No. No, 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 no. Not order. I hope you don't mind, but have you got your handbag? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at this. Okay, that's a pretty, pretty neat looking handbag. You, you, you don't mind, do you? Am I in trouble? Okay. Let's have a look. Look at this. Okay. Woo. Dear me. Okay, so I can see makeup, purse. Look at the hammer. Ian! Ian! Be a good boy, Ian! Okay. Sorry, this is a bit mad, isn't it? Oh, Brenda, where'd you live? He said, all right down there, what's going on here? Yeah, I, okay, okay, sorry. I think I picked the wrong person. <laughs> Order, folks. I want to ask you, you know, I have a trouble with the boot of my car. My house is all right. We've tidied up. We do this and that and the other. I like to keep a, 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 a clean ship. Pastor Tom was in my house this week. And within one minute of being in the house, he said this statement. My God, you're organized. Remember? <laughs> Just stepping in the door. And he said, my God, you're organized. Yeah, I am organized. Because I lose things and over the years, uh, you, you grow to respect things. Now, you know that I'm a freak for throwing things out. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> and in most marriages, in most couples, you'll get one who wants to keep everything and you'll get one who wants to throw everything out. And over the years, and it's taken many years, I've gradually got Jeanette progressively to throw the stuff out, you see? Because it's, it's, it's a great thing to do. 
It, it, can I my next slide, please? Take a look at this. Take a look at this. If you've got a, go- a, a, a garden, you will understand. Look at this. Now, if you've got a garden, you will understand. You do not want to get to this place. What has this person done? By the way, there's a house underneath that hedge. What has this person just done? They've made a rod for their own back. And what was manageable? You don't have to have a garden for more than one season. And you should know that this should never happen. Next slide, please. Take a look at this. It's not coming out very well. But that's someone's bed. With clothes lying everywhere. The whole place is a mess. That's just a physical room. And then look at this. You put someone in that room. How's that person going to function? How's that person going to... How can you live? How can you have a normal... Is this godly? This is not godly. This is terrible. That's not normal. You will be unhealthy. This is not just childish. It's ridiculous. Rubbish thrown everywhere. You know what it's like. Folks, and I've done many visits over the years, I can tell you. And you go to some houses, you knock the door, it's like 11 o'clock, and they've got the dressing gown. Oh, hello, Pastor, what are you doing here? Oh, Pastor's here! You know, and you go, just, just relax, I'll just get dressed. So it's 11 o'clock, ooh, a bit late. And then say, sit down. You go, where? Where will I sit down? And you look around, and, and there's, there's, there's plates with food stuffed under the sofa. A 42-inch TV with pajamas hanging on it. You know? And the guy goes up and he gets his wife and drags it downstairs and she's just getting out of bed. Yellow sock, red sock. You know the story. Everything's wrong. Everything's out of order. And that couple will, will, will turn to you and say, the Spirit of God doesn't seem to flow. The Spirit of God doesn't seem to move in our house. You think there might be something wrong? Well, you need to respect your home. You need to respect your temple. You need to tidy up. And glorify God in your home. Now everybody can say amen. Amen. It's true, folks. I I don't know about you, but I cannot, cannot work in an untidy house. And I'm not joking. Be my guest. You're welcome to come and have a look in my garage. You won't find junk. You can go through our cupboards. You will not find junk. There's only one place, two places. The boot of my car is not good. Okay, not good. (laughs) Most of the church rubbish ends up in there. The other place that's not good... I won't mention, but it's got to do with her, (laughs) right? Think about it, folks, because I believe that it's more of a, it's more of a hindrance, more of of a blockage to you than you probably realize, especially if you follow this principle through scripture. Now, my advice to you is this, because we weren't always tidy, I haven't always been tidy, but my advice to you is this. Go home today and choose one room. Okay? It could be your kitchen. It could be your bedroom. It could be a dining room. I don't know what. And make it your goal to get the junk and the rubbish out of that room and to tidy it up and make it presentable. And what that will do for you is that will encourage you. You will feel different. You will feel positive and you'll think, I'm glad I did that. Next thing, you'll do another room, right? And you can move through your house and you will get order. 
And order makes way for the flow of God. Order makes way for the glory of God. Order makes way for the breath of God, which we all need both personally in our homes and collectively in our churches. Point two, order, number one, order your physical environment. Number two, order your life and your relationships. Remember, what was the second thing that God did? Separation. The separation of good and evil, of right and wrong. That was the second step. And that's something we should look at in terms of the relationships in your life. Look, folks, everybody look at me a moment. Every person here has got good relationships. People that bless you, people who are good for your spiritual life. But every person here also probably has a bad relationship or two. That friend in work who's a gossip. That neighbor who's a gossip or whatever. Everyone's, we all live in this world. Your relative who rings you up and you know the speech is negative or bad. And right now at the beginning of 2012, what a great time to think about all the relationships that I have, all the relationships in my life. And what a great time to say, right, there are some relationships that, plain and simply, I need to cut them off. They have no place anymore. Bad company corrupts good character. You need to do that. We all need to do that. Secondly, there will be relationships that you need to maintain. Maybe family members that you have not called, people that you know you should keep up with for evangelism's sake or whatever. They will exist too. Maintain some relationships. Be diligent to do it. Cut off some relationships. And maybe some relationships you need to renew. Think back over the years about people you should never have lost contact with. And go find them. And say, hi, I haven't spoken to you for a long time. Step three. Order your time. Now, this is never easy, but I promise you, folks, <laughs> uh, believe me, if you don't get into the habit of throwing stuff out, here he goes, he's on again about the throwing stuff out bit. Listen, everybody look, please, listen. You can spend a whole day reorganizing your rubbish. And you call it tidying up. And you visit the woman in the house and she's stressed out. And she says, I'm never done tidying up. Well, tell me, what's this? Well, I had that one in 1974. And I've been moving it from here to there, and then from here to there, and then from there to here for 25 years. Well, you know what? If you got rid of that, you wouldn't have to waste your energy and your time tidying it up. I'm, I'm, I'm being serious, folks. And particularly for women, spending half their lives chasing after stuff, stuff weighing you down. As societies prosper, they don't know what to do with their stuff. And so, the, you know these storage places that open up? You do know these storage places? There's one just down the road. This is a phenomenon. It's a phenomenon. It's a modern phenomenon. We didn't need these years ago. But people have lost the ability to throw things away. And they feel they have to, you know, there's a big brown box. You can't move it. What's in the box? I don't know, but I've had it for 30 years and I'm keeping it. Come on. You need to get rid of the old and bring in the new. And I thank God because, I, I mean, literally I can go into my office 
And there is nothing in my office that involves my past. It all involves my future. It's all something we're doing, somewhere we're going. And if it's something that is done and dusted, I will give it away, throw it away, and that will keep you moving, folks. But don't get bogged down because you're paying a, a higher cost. And I actually think you, some of you realize with stuff, order your time. Organize your time. And I would say to you husbands, I mean, I've said it many times before. Let me try and say it politely. I don't think I can. Say to some of you husbands who, who arrive here at 10 past 11 with your wife. Now, there's only one word for you, husband. So God forgive me. Please, you forgive me. You're stupid. And you know why you're stupid? Because your wife will be tired and she'll be looking after the kids and she'll be doing this and doing that. And you know what? Half an hour a week in the presence of God. It's enough to change her. You, you, do you understand me? So for heaven's sake, organize the time in your home. Come on, man. And get your wife in. Get the kids settled. There's people here with six kids and they're here before you with two or one. And give her time to come in here at 10 to 11 and to sit down and maybe for the only time of her week she plugs in to God. But oh no, run in at half past 11 and then wonder why is my wife always frazzled or tired? Because you don't organize your time. You see, she may come in here frazzled and everything else but if you get her here on time you can leave with a different wife from the one you came with. No, that doesn't sound right. That's not good. <laughs> she will be changed if you just give her that moment. Now listen, folks. Remember what we said at the beginning. One of the scary things about being a Christian for a long period of time is you start listening, but you don't do. You stop doing. So what I'm saying to you husbands, 2012... Will you make it your ambition to organize your time, your family, around prayer, around worship? Will you actually do it? Will you do it? Come on. Come on. You don't know what you're missing. Just that little moment in God's presence can change the nature of your marriage, your home. Silly little stupid mistakes. You know, the, the devil certainly doesn't need to be smart with us, does he? We make the stupidest mistakes. And also, you see, the word takes root when we prepare our hearts and worship. It opens the gates of our soul to receive that word. But if you miss that, you often people get confused about word, you know, what, what was the message about? Because they weren't prepared. They were frazzled. Number one, order and organize your personal environment. Order your environment. Number two, Order your life and your relationships. Order your time. Order your prayer life. It's never easy. All of us have to struggle with this. And I am a prayer. I'm a prayer of prayers. I'm one of the you know, strongest prayers I know. And I don't say that for any of them, but I am. And even I struggle. I have to make it happen. I have to fight to get that time. But I know the value of it. And as I've said to you before, Jeanette, we made a lot of mistakes. But I thank God we never made that one. And it's the only reason why we're still here. There's no other reason. I believe that with all my heart. There's no other reason 
we would have been gone long ago. It was only because we never forsook prayer. That's it. And that connection with God has kept, he has been faithful and sustained us through all the ups and downs. You know what they say? First of all, you form your habits and then they form you. So you better make sure that they're good habits. And there's no better time to start forming some good ones than right now, at the beginning of this year. Point five, organize your Bible study. And next week, Pastor Tom will begin to give you some idea about how you may be able to go about that in structuring your time with Sunday night. As was mentioned earlier, there'll be a free time there where we can begin to look at, at, at serious longevity into the discipleship program and the teaching and, and make it fully ordered, fully structured. Number six, we need to organize our giftings. Every person here, you need to find your gifting. Then you need to train your gifting. And then you need to use your gifting. Now let me have, let me have six volunteers. Those who know that they do not know what their gift is. If you don't know what your gift is, put your hand up a minute. Brenda, come down here, please. Just one second. I won't keep you long. Give me some of this. Thanks, Ian. Thanks, Everson. Thanks, Elizabeth. Give me six. Come on, there's loads of you. Thanks. Come, Eunice. Keep going. Thanks, John. Thanks, Danny. Okay. Here you are, Eunice. Hold that up. Just put that on your chest. 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 Thanks, John. It's a very sad sight. And I ask God to forgive me. God forgive me. You see, if I go to a Coke machine and I want a can of Coke and it says, it means it's not doing what it was made to do. The machine's not functioning. It's not performing what it was made to do. And each Christian here has a gift. There's no exceptions. It says it in Scripture. Each Christian was given a gift as Christ ascended. And if you are not functioning in your gift, you are... Out of order. Now there's many more of you, not just these six or seven. And the purpose of this year, do you know what I want you to do, guys? And I'm serious, I'm not joking. See that piece of paper? Keep it. Keep it. You, can, you, you, you can't fix a problem you've got until you own it. Right? That's just pretense, burying your head in the sand. So well done for being honest and saying, do you know what? I don't know what my gift is. Do you know what? I'm not functioning. I want you to keep that piece of paper. But through the coming year, maybe four months away, six months away, it doesn't matter. At some point, when you find your gift and you train your gift, I want you to come back here. And I want you to stand up here and tell everybody, I'm no longer out of order. I found who I am. Thank you, guys. Praise the Lord. And in a nutshell, that's the purpose of the coming year. In a nutshell, that's the purpose, I believe, of God's plan for you for this coming year. But nothing will change unless you change. Nothing will change unless you embrace change like you've never done before. And I repeat, we're running out of time. 
We're running out of time. These are definitely the last days, but these are the last of the last days. And the last thing to organize your finances. How much do you, I mean, I don't know if you know this, the answer to this question. How much do you owe? How much debt do you have? And how much do you own? How much do you owe? And how much do you own? You need to know the answers to those questions. I don't know if you watch Dragon's Den. It's a great program on TV. Sometimes they come in and they don't know the answers to the questions and they get roasted. You know, you need to know that. How much is going out from your house and how much is coming in? You see, order affects your prosperity. I repeat, order affects your prosperity. If your life is disordered, you will not prosper in the same way. Order affects that. And there needs to be financial order in your life and financial understanding. I'm going to deal with it in about three weeks' time here. You see, look, the countries on earth that are the most prosperous are the best ordered. Korea, China, Singapore, right? I mean, hey, hey John, how's Somalia? Chaos! Chaos, right? Chaos! No prosperity. Why? Because there's no order. The country's upside down. Or look at Nigeria. Many of you here from Nigeria. Nigeria should be one of the wealthiest countries on the earth. And it's a disaster. Right? True? Because of lack of order. Your, your financial structure is important that you get it in order in your life so that God can bring blessing. We have about 17 pastors in Europe that we work with. And there's one of those men who's more prosperous than all the rest of us put together. Right? I better not say who. But it's no coincidence. He's the only one who sent me his plan for 2012. And he's got 21 ordered steps about his family. No wonder he's prosperous. No wonder. He's got order. He's got structure. He's, he's got a whole plan. Not only has he made a plan for 2012, he set himself deadlines, which he, he, he says he will not pass, and he's made himself accountable. I want you to ring me on this date because by that time I said that I would have family time, ministry goals, spiritual goals, financial goals, physical goals. You see? Don't let it go to, 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 to rack and ruin or to waste. Just a little bit of, of order in your home, in your relationships, in your finances. And can you imagine the power of that if we do that together? I mean, just one person here doing that is good news. But imagine if we all did it. Wow. Wow, what a change that would make. You up for it? You up for it? <laughs> Come on, folks. Not much time left. On the back of your notes there, I've also given you some notes about preparing the way. We don't have very many partners left with preparing the way but I want to thank the ones that we do have this coming year I've got a list of events that we have Some of the, most of these are mixed funding so the MFP, New Mercy Singapore we hope are, are getting involved in that but preparing the way partners you're also helping in a very real way and I want to thank you for that there's enormous expenses enormous expenses and Jeanette and I are skint 
just trying to get out and about. And I want, I want to thank the partners really very, very much. Leanne and I were in discussions yesterday about, if you turn to the last page, the most prolific book we ever produced in preparing the way was What's Love Got to Do With It? And I still get requests all the time for doing conferences for that. We're going to reproduce that book, a second edition this year, and there will be four additional chapters. Heidi is typing them up at the moment, and Leanne is going to rejig that. And we hope to publish that book internationally, and also to rerun this series What's love got to do with it on air? Those of you who were here about four or five months ago, remember we had an invitation. If we raised 54,000, they said we could run, run that in the States. We, we haven't got that money, but we can at least prepare the book. And I can at least, I was thinking of approaching Ed Michaels. Remember Ed Michaels? He's a great guy, good church in Washington. And I was thinking maybe the best thing we could do is if Leanne prepares the book this year, then I would look at the beginning of 2013 to re-record for television the whole series again in Washington with the second edition of the book. Everywhere we go, this is a huge, huge problem. We go into the churches to talk about church planting and they want to save their daughter's life who's run off with someone or, you know, it's always the same and it's a sad thing. So I thank God that we're able to help at least in some degree. But, but we're going away this Thursday to Bulgaria to work there with the church that Pastorelia has planted. But keep those dates in prayer. Don't lose your sheet. Pin it on your fridge and pray for us as we go. Um, just two last things before we finish. As we were worshiping earlier, I felt there was someone here with a clogged artery in your heart that one of the arteries in your heart was pincing and it was closed and I felt that God was working on you, whoever you are. Though if there's someone here that that makes sense to, come and see me. If you know that's you, maybe you haven't told anybody, you just got chest pains, but come and let's pray with you later. And the last thing I just want to do is I want to pray for Bulgaria, for the Bulgarian church, because we are, we've got a meeting on Sunday in a very large church, it's about 600 people. And from that crowd, we hope to bring a full-time pastor to replace Elia, who's coming back here. I want you to pray with me. You, who paid for the church in Bulgaria? You did. You did. You did. And it's a big town, you know. I know the town very well. There's only about four or five churches there, and most of them are not really great, I'm sorry to say. And, I mean, Elia says our church is the, best, is the best church, excuse that. But I think it is, you know. It's certainly the most vibrant and the most spirit-filled. So, praise God for that. We've got a long way to go. It's about 100,000 people in that area. And we want to try and advance that church. And we'll be there for a few weeks to get that, hopefully, moved on to the next phase of its existence. Will you stand and pray with me for this, that we find a pastor for the church in Bulgaria, and I'll invite the worship team to come back. Just lift your hands before God. Lord, we as a church have birthed this daughter church in a needy, needy place. And I thank you for the work that Pastor Elia has done in this city, and I pray for a continuation of it. Lord, missions is your heart. It's not easy, it's rough, and it's messy, but it's your heart. And I thank you for giving us the ability just to establish this church in a very difficult place. And together this morning, we ask you, Father, for a pastor for this church. 
a permanent full-time pastor? Would you provide that person? Would you call him or her or them? And I pray even next Sunday, straight off the bat, that we will be able to see that person come forward and say, I am the person you're looking for. Bless them. Call them, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.